Welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic, the podcast where we drink and discuss nerdy fiction and where the bells mean points, but the points mean nothing. I'm Adam. I am Sean. And I'm Mike. Today we're discussing Man Booker Prize winning author Marlon James's new book, Moon Witch Spider King, and we'll be pairing that with Tandue. Is that, am I saying that right, Tandue? I'm going to say yes, you're saying it right. Thank you. That's the first time anyone on the show has said I'm <laughs> saying it right. Uh, Tandue Double Rum. But first... We want to thank our growing community of listeners and followers on social media. We especially want to thank the listening community at Good Pods, where we continue to rank highly among similar podcasts. Also, a special shout out to Podcast Overlord at PCAST underscore OL and PodNation at PodNationPods, who have helpfully promoted or retweeted us for on Twitter. And we're recently joined by our friends at Back in My Day podcast to talk about Batman Returns. Oh, man, that was so much fun. That was cool. Yeah. They are over at uh, at Day Back In on Twitter and at uh, Day Back In on Instagram. Our thanks to the listeners who have posted reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our show and the topics we discuss, please consider rating and reviewing us. It is a big help, seriously. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Nerds of Old Republic. If you want to hear what we think about many other nerd-centric topics, don't forget to check out our more than just books po- blog on Podbean, and of course, please rate and review us wherever you listen to our podcast. So, once again, thank you to our listeners, new and old. If you want to read and watch along with us, our next cast will discuss the recent movie. I'm laughing already saying this title: Jujitsu, starring <laughs> Nicholas Cage. That's right, of unbearable weight talent. Nicholas Cage. Thanks for not calling that a film. You're it doesn't welcome. deserve that. It's not a film. There's no auteur here. It's just fucking Nicholas Cage. Uh, no offense, Nick. Uh, and in June, we'll be discussing selection from Stephen King's collection. We have yet to make a decision there. We're going to actually leave y'all in the in the uh, dark until we do. But we're going to go Stephen King. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna do some short stories and uh, his son's collection, Joe Hill's uh, Full Throttle. So. Um, Pick up Full Throttle from Joe Hill to read along, and we'll let you know on the socials about Stephen King collection, all right? Um, So, gentlemen, shall we get into the drink for tonight? It has been staring at us in this gorgeous bottle in the center of this table for, like, the last ten minutes. So we should get into this here. (laughs) Yes, we should. For sure. Indeed. You want to just uh, give the cork a pull, Mike, since, yeah. since you did the honors I don't know it? if it's, it's a liquor bottle, so I don't know if we're going to get the cool pop, but mm. let's see. Yeah, Ooh, a little that bit. Sounded good. <laughs> All right. Can I smell the cork? Yo, please help yourself. Yeah. Pass the cork. Mmm. I feel like we're doing the delicious dish here from uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. Mm, so we'll do a, so a few small tasting pours before we get into a, a proper pour. No, I appreciate that. So we're gonna try it neat first. I love the color. The yeah, it is amber. a. It's a yeah amber or a light caramel. Oops. Coats the glass I nicely. I just spilled about eight dollars of it here oh, on the table. Here. You can lick that up. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I oh I will. We won't do it. No, no, the table's well, been freshly cleaned. Hopefully, the mic picks up some of the sound effects of that happening. <laughs> Wait, the varnish is bubbling up on the table. <laughs> <laughs> it peeled it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, before we. Uh, you know, take a sip here. Let's let's tell the listeners what we're actually uh, drinking. It's a it's a it's actually pronounced Tanduai. 
See, uh, thank you for no. letting me say it wrong five times. <laughs> and uh, we chose a rum because uh, we're we're discussing Marlon James, uh, who is Jamaican. And after we bought the rum, uh, I, I'll be honest, it was me. Uh, I discovered that this is actually from the Philippines and not from Jamaica. But rum is essential uh, and often associated with Jamaican culture. So we doubled down. We're going to go with it anyway. Um, and it's a double rum, uh, which I uh, bought after an impromptu tasting in a wine store. Uh, and it is a combination of uh, five-year and 16-year uh, uh, rums. It's a blend of the two, and they're aged in oak barrels. Uh, and I had uh, a, a taste in the store and walked around the store uh, convincing myself that I was not going to buy the bottle. There were multiple texts from like <laughs> saying, guys... Check this out. I'm not going to buy it. It's really good. Here's a picture. Yep. Not buying it. No. <laughs> Please tell my wife why I'm not buying this. <laughs> and then a picture of him in his car with the bottle of rum. Oh, yeah. 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 So, but I've, I've resisted it. I've held off for a couple of weeks, and, and I think uh, now is the time. I think we should go ahead and taste this at last. Oh, thank I God agree. it's Friday. All right. Mm-hmm. That is the smoothest rum I've ever had. This was my thinking as well. <laughs> Dear Lord. It's just like notes of caramel and some vanilla. And that's like, that's it. It vaguely resembles uh, a whiskey. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you gave this to me in a blind taste testing and you just told me this was a whiskey, I would think to myself, oh, all right, this is a, you know, a sweeter sort of bourbon here, but I would believe you. It's close enough. Yeah, you can taste the oak in that, and it's got that, you know, back of your throat kind of warming sensation you get from a whiskey, not typically from a rum. What uh, What's the proof on this? Uh, that's a great question before we get to our next pour. Uh, <laughs> before you pour it three fingers uh, It deep. is uh, 40% ABV. Oh, right, so it's not crazy high. No, that's, uh, that's about right. I mean, it's, it's just got a great aftertaste. It's remarkably smooth. Super mellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I really like it. I mean, it's not cracking. But yeah. <laughs> I was gonna make a Cthulhu noise on accident, but yeah, no, no release no. the crocker. <laughs> that, that's good for everyday drinking. This oh, is special sure. drinking. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, they refer to this as a sipping rum, and and I would agree with that. This is this is not a mixer. This is a sipper. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I really enjoy this. Yeah, thank do you. Do like. Thank you. Cheers. Indeed. Indeed. Am I going too slow? Because I still have a taste, and Sean's empty. I, I, Adam, I think I uh, poured you the most generous pour, um, mm. and uh, that was not intentional, but it works out because it. It, we are in your uh, your home recording studio here, and yeah. you don't have to drive, so bottoms up. I <laughs> do appreciate that very much. So We I'm like sure. when you're well lubricated for the second cast. I <laughs> want to find that sweet spot where I can still enunciate my words, but be funny to myself, and there have been a few casts lately where the second one... I don't think people can understand what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you have to like slow me down to like 75% on your podcatcher. Instead of listening to it at double speed or speed and a half like people do, yeah. slow us down. Yeah, you gotta if you want to hear space between my words when I'm drunk, you really need to slow me down. It's like a John Green uh YouTube video. You got, oh my gosh, oh yeah. yes. He's really smart. You just right? gotta speak at like half speed. Respect oh to John Green, uh, but I think his brain works uh, and his mouth works faster than uh, my brain and my ears. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um getting to jujitsu. Little little spoiler. Speaking of speed, it's the only movie I've ever watched 
at 1.25 speed. <laughs> oh, that was so, smart, actually. I wish I would have thought of that. Seems uh, even more. Uh, well, we'll save that. I we'll guess, save for the that. Cast. But I'm just giving a little <laughs> little trailer for where I was at when I was watching jujitsu there. I think I need some more of this rum. I would agree with that. I'm ready for a proper pour of it. Same here. Do you want ice cubes, or uh, you want it neat still? I'm gonna, I, you know, I was promised Millennium uh, Falcon uh, Falcon ice cubes. Yeah, I'm here uh, for that too. I do I, have three <laughs> by five, nearly three by five inch Millennium Falcon ice cubes. All right, we have uh, refilled our glasses here. My R two D two is melted, so it just looks like a tomb. But a tomb? That's what it looks like now. <laughs> or maybe the top of a sarcophagus. That's kind of appropriate for what we're going to start reading, I guess. It is. But yeah, I guess before we get into the serious nature of the, the text we're diving into, you know, we've been inviting Twitter followers to offer feedback on the works we're discussing. And this week, we heard from I Am A Sophisticate And So Can You podcast, that's at Sophisticate Pod, who said, I read one of Marlon James's other books, A Brief History of Seven Killings, and I think he's a brilliant writer. And uh, I think the entire literary world would agree with uh, I Am Sophisticate there for that one. Yeah, uh, I responded to I Am Sophisticate on Twitter and uh, said that was also the first book I read by Marlon James. And, um, you know, I would agree 100%. That's the one that got me into the author in the first place. Yeah. And that actually kind of is a good segue into, you know, the first question we usually start with, which is, do you have any history with the Mm. text? Do you have any history with the author? So, Mike, you've read A Brief History of Seven Killings. Yeah. I So I learned uh, about this author just a few years ago, uh, and I actually learned about him because I was looking at one of those uh, in Buffalo. We have a a wonderful Babel series that brings Mm. in very, very uh, well-known, successful authors to speak uh, every year. And uh, so I was looking at all the ones that I'd missed, including Toni Morrison and, and oh, several other great yeah, ones. I missed her too. And uh, I was, I was intrigued by Marlon James picture because he looks like a fucking awesome dude. So I started looking up his fiction and uh, brief history of seven killings uh, had just won the man Booker prize. And it sounded awesome. It's about uh, ostensibly the assassination of uh, uh I keep wanting to say Jacob Marley, but it's Bob Marley. And uh, it's really so much more than that, though. I mean, there's like probably 15 or 20 character perspectives that he juggles throughout the book. And uh, it's all about like what was going on historically and socially and politically in Jamaica Mm. around all that happening. And it was just a staggeringly good book. Uh, So since then, I've read all his other books. um, And uh, I teach an article that he published in the New York Times called uh, From Jamaica to Minnesota to Myself. Uh, I teach that every year with my 11th graders, and um, I listen to his podcast that he does, which is called uh, Jake and Marlin Read Dead People, where they uh, talk about dead authors from a different perspective Hmm. every cast, and uh, I just think he's great. I think uh, Marlin James is uh, one of the most interesting people working in fiction today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, how about you? I had no experience with him at all. It's my first read, and everything Mike just said... I agree with you. You are right to do so. <laughs> yeah, the, this is I mean, the, you know what? There you go. Thank you. Point. I will there shout out go. the Babel series too, because there are Word. some awesome people who come through there and that is so cool. Babel, if you're listening to us, which we know you are, you know, if you ever want to work us into some kind of cross promotion or something, Just <laughs> Buffalo is a fantastic literary center yeah. downtown. Absolutely. And, uh, well, and without spending any uh, great deal of time on it, uh, Colson Whitehead was just here last night, and it was a fucking amazing show. And he's an incredibly talented and uh, shockingly funny person. So, oh, I hate to say it, but you don't always expect that from like 
staggering geniuses of literary merit. No, he has a second career as a stand-up comedian if he wants it. He is That's that nice. funny. Wow. Wow. I mean, also a brilliant dude. So yeah. it kind of makes sense that he's got the wit to do that sort of thing. Yeah, it does. You know, um, I'm going to I'm gonna fuck up the title. Black Leopard, Red Wolf, there we go, was on my to-be-read pile for a while. And I had brought it up to Mike, and he had mentioned how awesome it was. And then when we were looking for a new book... It had just come across as I was strolling through, you know, literary Twitter and literary Instagram um, that the second book in the Dark Star trilogy had come out. And it seemed really interesting from the reviews, you know, telling the story from a different character's perspective, but same events, or similar events. And uh, it seemed like the right time to strike and read. I have not read uh, Brief History by Marlon James, but I don't know why I haven't, except for my to-be-read pile, like all of your gents, is just enormous and keeps getting added (laughs) to daily. Embarrassingly huge. Well, you know, it's the blessing and curse of being an English teacher and then doing literary stuff for fun, right? Right. Like, our our piles are going to outlive us at this point. They certainly will. (laughs) Yeah, I could hold up a house's foundation. Mine is is a uh, to-be-read cabinet. Yeah, I can believe that. Knowing the recording studio you have in your basement that we use, it's down there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's the reason why I had to switch to ebooks for some things or borrowing more from the library because mm-hmm. I'm out of cabinet space, unfortunately. I'm telling you, the library is a wonderful place. It is. Well, it you is. guys are wise because the amount of times I have moved in my life and moved all those boxes of books, uh, it is, um, you know, not smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. No. But it's nice to look at. Oh, it is. Oh, for it sure is. it is. It I is. mean, I have a library that's Harry Potter, Harry Potter centric upstairs. It's also the guest room. Woe be on anyone who has to stay in my <laughs> guest room because it's like Harry Potter Legos and Harry Potter Illustrated Editions and then like some wands. Oh, and you stuff. won't want for something to read. Well, it's true. You're always going to be there. But if you don't like it, it's going to be creepy. Hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. So, you know, I like, I always like when we come to a text with varying degrees of familiarity uh, with the author and with the text. So, uh, I guess I'll start with the genre question, because we have been pretty much a sci-fi podcast up until this book, I think. And we chose this one, excited though, it's fantasy. So um, was there anything else that made you stand up and pay attention concerning the genre of this book when you were reading it? Um, for me... Uh... This is, I think, actually our second fantasy book in a row, uh, weirdly. we got to get back to the sci-fi oh, stuff. Oh, God. Right? I forgot about The Witcher. The Witcher. Yeah. But, but whereas, Sorry, I, I bring that up to say this, whereas Witcher is more, you know, traditional sort of medieval European uh, fantasy, which is what most people picture when, when you mention uh, fantasy fiction, this is fantasy, but, you know, after reading the first book, I've, I've always said that it feels more like mythology to me. You know, I feel more like I I'm reading that. mythology. And, and Marlon James, uh, you know, has, has spoken about the degree of research into African mythology and folktales and, and all of that that went into writing the series. And it is fantasy uh, in the sense of, you know, there's, you know, the quest and mm-hmm. the magic and, and the usual tropes there. But just with the gods and the demigods and like all of the backstory and, uh, you know, the ancient landscape and uh, an ill-defined ancient landscape too. Not like, you know, like 
fantasy prides itself on its like very sharp, like detailed world building, mm. which isn't the a shire same... had hills, and each hill had a round. And each there are maps. Here's a description there of are maps. You're right, and it's not that Marlon James is in, insanely detailed here. So I don't mean to say not detailed, but it has a more saying. sort of like surreal, ill-defined dreamscape sort of a a feel to it, which I associate with reading like ancient. Scandinavian or Greek mythology, you know, where it's, it's sort of like, you know, then you came to like the mountains of such and such and you passed over them and then you were in the land of, you know, that kind of a Asgard thing. So. floated above you. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good take. I, um, I was struck by, and you mentioned the folklore or folktale ish kind of mythology, mythology that he draws from. And it, it almost feels like, like a, um, like a, I don't know, a realistic take on that kind of storytelling. Like, what would it be like if, like, how, like, Game of Thrones is to Tolkien, right? More gritty, real, high fantasy. It's more like gritty, real mythology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a very unique kind of world to get into. And very. It's, yeah, it, it's gripping. It, like, there's a lot of parts where you're just like, shit, that's really interesting, you know? And it just really pulls you in, which is super cool. Oh, yeah. I think part of what made it so dreamlike was both the narrator's voice you know, the non-standard English dialect as it's described on the internet, Mm. which changes drastically throughout the novel, which I found really interesting for character development. Mm -hmm. You know, Suglong starting off as her, what is she, like 11 or something like that? When we see her in the termite hill? Yeah, very young. Something about it. Insanely young. And and you can tell she's not encountered anyone who will actually speak to her. But then as she ages, she has that like drive to read when she's in the court. Mm -hmm. And then the narrator's voice becomes... Um, much more cogent and the sentences get longer and that sort of thing. I thought that was just like a a brilliant thing to do. And I started with that because not only is the language change, but it's, it's like mythology. And then you get like, you know, coup, cock oh my God. and like grabbed his the forest above his cock and yeah. his balls. Like that mix of oh, like yeah. the coarse language. Right. But like the high mythological elements was really intriguing to me and like made me feel really many things at one moment. Yes. If Marlon James has been, uh, and he's had a remarkably critically acclaimed career, but if he's been criticized or questioned for anything, it's been the degree of violence and the like extreme content uh, and and language, which... Mm you know, to dudes like us only makes him more interesting. You know, I mean, I'm reading descriptions of, you know, when I knew nothing about the author, uh, brief history of seven killings. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, you know, I, I found the violence in this book and, and the language and the descriptions of sex to be, you know, just more than was necessary. It was gratuitous. And I'm like, fucking sign me up. I'm going to listen to that yeah. shit all day. You know? Yeah. Um, That's why we're a pop culture co- podcast and not necessarily a high lit podcast because we're all in exactly. for that yeah. exactly um but i i mean i think the great writers aren't afraid to shy away from that either i mean you read a cormac mccarthy novel and oh, it's God. fucking right. brutal you know yeah. um and like you said it that's life welcome to life you know yeah. and, and so uh that's that's definitely here it's it has that like epic fantasy mythology feel but it also gets into that really gritty in your face realism as well i like how you mentioned the perspective too and like how it it evolves 
and like the point of view it moves in and out of first person and third person mm-hmm. and if you're not really following what's going on it can get there are parts where i'm sitting there going like what the fuck just happened yeah yeah and i gotta go back and look at it and i still don't know what the fuck just happened first hundred pages were really hard for me oh but it doesn't let up no. there are parts where you're like wait a minute how did we get from there to here it's like it's it's like we walked through a portal and i'm in a different part yeah. of the book now dreamlike right? exactly dreamlike. right and then you talk about the um the gratuitousness of the language at times and I found that at first I'm like, man, that's just like, you really didn't have to keep talking about all this stuff. I get it, dude. Yeah. I totally got it. <laughs> yeah. But, and then at the same time I started thinking about it, like if this is really her perspective, it's the like almost like commoditization of female genitalia that's oh, sort sure. of like fixated on. Like that's what yeah. she was valued as, as a, a young person and growing up and then continued to be. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of turned a little bit when she met Kemi and sort of became more of like, you no, know, this is... The, the transaction was more in her favor as well. And I think that was just, maybe that's what it was being underscored is that, I guess the transactional nature of sex, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. No. And his, uh, is everything that you guys are saying about this book is I think doubly so for the first book, uh, which I'm going to make sure I don't fuck up as well. Yeah, Black right. leopard, red wolf. You know, I remember reading that book. I, I let me put it this way. I found Moonwitch to be, relatively easy compared to black leopard red wow. wolf all emphasis italics underline on relatively because sure. it is an incredibly challenging book mm-hmm. but because of and it was an intentional choice of the author i think because of the the characters and their storytelling style um from the little bit that we see of tracker at the end of this book you know, you get the sense that he's a real fucking Stanley Kowalski, like mm. arrogant fucking yeah. son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And that narrative style is all throughout that first book. I mean, it's wow. very, the surrealism of it is ramped up to 11 in that because he doesn't give a fuck about like going in order and developing a narrative. Like mm. he's all over the fucking map and it's, it's even more difficult to follow for that reason. Um, and his language is even more coarse because that's the way that he talks and, yeah. uh, you know, which makes the book very challenging. And and this book has, you know, the same stuff, but a little bit less so, I think, because uh, are we going to say, let's agree on Sogolon? How do you guys want to say it? I cheated and read and listened to the audiobook. Okay. And? For this reason, Sogolon. Sogolon. Yeah. And Sogolon. Okay. Sogolon. And Keme? Keme. I was right about Keme. Yeah. I read that as Kim, literally the yeah. entire time. Like, <laughs> now you know how I feel. Kim came. But uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I really, Ooh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't anticipate it originally. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> the number of times, and then, oh, and then the, the he came at me with his the lion, yeah, the lion cock. Uh, we'll get bigger. to that. It was yeah. even <laughs> bigger and more majestic. Trick of the fur, woman. I just what he says because it happens earlier. I just like that's the part where I knew like this book. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. when she's journeying north to um, the North Country and uh, Fasisi the first time with her mistress there or whatever. And she sees Keme in the uh, water, and he's like, he just had another stitch on him, yeah. and he's yeah, walking with confidence, that big cock swinging yeah. between his yeah, legs. Right. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's where we're at right now. Yeah, we're going there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but um, I was making a point, I feel like. Uh, oh, no, the rum. Or was I? Did it just seem like that because of the rum? Um, no, the, oh, so I, what I was saying was... Um, and this is true of all of his books, not not just the Dark Star trilogy, but you know his literary novels as well. In my experience, is that you know it, they're one of those things where 
like as you're reading, you know, you're not always necessarily having fun. Like it, it True. takes work. Right. It's challenging. Um, and it takes a certain kind of reader to, to want to do that. And it's always after the fact. It's after I finish reading where I'm sitting there walking around with what I just read. Mm-hmm. That's when it always hits me. Um, that's when I'm always impressed, which is, you know, the opposite of many books where you're reading and you're like, this is fucking oh, this great. Is awesome. yeah. And you forget it as soon as you put right, it yeah. down. That's like a Disney movie. Well, yes, a, yeah. that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah you don't but, oftentimes think of a Disney movie after you leave no. unless you're making sarcastic references to your children right. to annoy them. <laughs> exactly. But with Marlon James, you know, you, you walk away and you're like, what the... F-? All right, so, so there were these fucking things that ran along the ceiling as if they oh, were, we're walking on the, the floor same, and same they would fucking drop down and they would... You know, you start thinking about mm-hmm. that shit and what you just read and, and that's when it just fucking... For me, at least, that's when it hits you like... Damn, this shit is crazy. It's really staying with, with you, yeah. The dark child that was in her room. I'm like, yeah. is this real or not? Whoa. But no, it was yeah. real because afterwards it's <laughs> like what, real. it's like again, you gotta think about it. You gotta figure it out. Like and then you find yourself going back chapters to shit that you had assumed you understood what it was, and you were like, No, I nope, fucking nope. did not get it for what it was. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. Yeah. 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 Uh for me it is a sign of a quality book that I really enjoy and it's changing me when it changes like my catchphrases in everyday life. So lately I've been walking around going, something's going wrong, and I'm like, fuck the gods! I was hoping it would be that. There you go. Nice. Fuck the gods, woman. Well, it's better than saying you get your coo cut out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There That's you go. Points around like, I want to know, I want, I want a coo counter for this book. How many times? Because I'm going to start using it. a word processor and just do a control F K O O. If we start a band, we're naming it coo. Or a coo counter. Yeah. Counter. First record, yeah. fuck the gods. Yes, I love it. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, I right. love it. That, that half screams line, half heavy metal. That's we have to be a Norwegian heavy metal. Band. Heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I did find myself in the same way thinking about the story when I'm not with the story, thinking about the phrases, um, and just like wondering how it actually would work and like picturing it. So that was the sign for me that like I'm really struggling with this book, but he's making me do the work, and it's really paying yeah. off as a reader for sure. Well, Mike and I had conversations when I was in the midst of it, and you were in it. When I'm like going, like look at him, going like, man, this is this is work. <laughs> this is it, it's a journey, you know. And like yeah. I said, it, it it takes the right kind of reader to appreciate it. I mean, when you when I try to think of like who I would compare Marlon James to, I mean, it's going to be writers like. You know James Joyce, William. First Faulkner. one that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. there once yeah. was a Nissan Moo cow who went moo. First, first paragraph of Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Yeah, it felt the same. It, it's, or Thomas Pynchon. I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. it, but also with a heavy dose of like Toni Morrison and, and Cormac McCarthy thrown in for like the themes that he gets into. Yeah. Him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's the type of thing where you're aware as you're reading it that you are. You know, I guess it's the opposite of what we talked about in our last cast with The Witcher, where, mm. you know, we said, hey, it, was, it was great fun. I mean, yeah. it was nothing weighty or great, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. With with Mar- Marlon James, you know, reading him is like, okay, it's not always fun. I mean, sometimes it's a lot of hard work, but you're aware that you're reading something great. Yeah. At least that's, you know, how I experience it. Yeah, I, I felt very similar. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of Pynchon. And um, so I've read, you know, Gravity's Rainbow and Crying yeah. Blood 49. Thank you very much. I actually put that on my <laughs> Lots resume. Of bells today. <laughs> resume for every job I've ever applied to. Read Gravity's Rainbow. Um, I, that needs to be the only thing on your that's resume, right. honestly. Please and hire me. I would hire you. And, and I've failed to read it three times, uh, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it's worth it eventually. I think I don't yeah. know what I got out of I, it. I agree in my experience. I need to not have kids in my house mm. when I finally tackle all you of it. You need to go on like a month long <laughs> book sabbatical and just hide Is this out what I should read exactly on the airplane right. to Australia? Oh yeah. It's a page turner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'll get it done in 24 hours. <laughs> oh, you say I'll get a lot of sleep done is what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I don't want to go too much into the pension because, you know, yeah, we'll say that for another James, conversation. But, yeah. but you do get the impression that there's so much there that you have to go back for in the same way that I got with Marlon James, not just the stream of consciousness, but the use of language to convey a tonal texture yes. of the protagonist's experience mm-hmm. that really adds something that most writers can't pull off. That was an interesting thing to try to, to like that takes a while to get your head wrapped around that style. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself almost thinking that way. Yes. Like you call it yes. a patois. That's why, yeah. P-A-T-O-I-S. Yeah. And and almost all of his books are written uh, with something. Uh, it, it was obviously Jamaican, a lot of Jamaican right, yeah. patois in, right. in the literary books. This is, you know, more of an African. Uh, I, I, a lot of what I heard in my head is is what uh, I remember from uh, the movie Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I was yeah, yeah the audio book really saved me on that, yeah. to be honest, in order to, like, really pronounce. Not just, I had um, a Sogolon, correct? But like a bunch of the other like items and some of the Sangamon, I did not have. Mm. I wasn't even in the ballpark for the pronunciation. There was more of like a slide or a lilt where I would have done like a hard mm. Buffalo A or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I got to a figure. point where I was just like, I'm not going to remember half this of these words. Is. I'm just yeah. going to have to absorb them as they come right. because there's so much he throws at you at certain points. You're like, shit, there's just a lot. So while we're on the subject of pronunciation, I'm curious, uh, what is the official pronunciation of the uh, main antagonist? It's A-E-S-I. A-E-C. I, that's not how I read it at all. That's, I was I kept reading it the, as I C, like yeah. the word I C. You know, that that's how the reader in the audiobook, the official version of the audiobook, okay. reads it. A E C. A E C. Yeah. Interesting. So it, yeah. my like non-literal, hard to put to words understanding of like the patois uh, would be like when you see two vowels together, you pronounce them separately. Mm-hmm. But when you see like the consonants together, you have to slide them softly. The first consonant is very soft, and the second one is the one you pronounce. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. God knows, fuck the gods, if I'm right. <laughs> but I almost, that might be the title of this podcast episode. Who knows? <laughs> Probably going to get in trouble with a lot of people. Don't know if I care. But, you know, <laughs> fuck the gods, Marlon James's book. Um, but so I found that. It was just refreshing to have to work at the language mm. in a good way. Yeah. That's funny. Like I said, I found myself thinking that way. I'd like put a tear on this book and put like an hour in and be like, man, I am like in the zone with this. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to go and do some menial task on the house. And I'd be like, see the man, see the man sitting That's down right. doing his work. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, it's in my head. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is me using the laundry, not laundry powder. Yes. Yes. It, well, and it's interesting. We we said this of Colson Whitehead a few minutes ago, um, and Marlon James is is I would say the same way. If uh, I, I've watched many, uh, you know, speeches or interviews with him on YouTube, I love listening to his podcast. I um, to that. He's a very like very interesting guy who moves very quickly between like extremely intelligent academic and hilarious. Like he is. Uh, 
And it's it's even all the more charming for his like thick Jamaican accent. Um, <laughs> but he's have a thing for any accent. Yeah, I mean it it it, uh, it makes everything sound uh, a lot cooler than than we sound, you know. But oh, yeah. um, but he's you know he's uh, like Colson Whitehead. He's he's like that, you know. Despite the the dark like grimness of all of this, when when he talks, he's very lighthearted and he's mm. he can be very humorous. And, That's impressive that yeah. he's not, you know, the kind of stereotypical downtrodden like sad black is my soul right. sort of writer and i wonder if that comes from like the jamaican culture itself which tends to be despite being very challenged as a nation really upbeat in its culture and yeah. it's you know yeah really laid back yeah. not just of the stereotypical stuff but Kinda roll with it yeah and, and not to go too far down the rabbit hole with this but sure. uh you know he's he's also spoken before including in that article that i mentioned uh from the new york times it can also be very socially conservative because Marlon oh. James, uh, you know, is a is a gay man and uh, did not get a lot of uh, patience or acceptance for that. And that was one of the things, you know, that when he came to America was part of his journey of finding himself wow. and allowing that part of his identity to, um, you know, actually come out and not be something that he felt that he had to repress hmm. or you treat like with shame. You mean like a lion that you don't turn into around other people? Uh, yeah, you notice that connection. I did <laughs> notice that find connection. Someone that accepts you for who you are. That's right. And allows you to be that person. That's a really good time to switch over to our second question. We're actually like running through time fast today in the podcast, just because uh, there's so much. I thought we could actually do two on this. Like, because yeah. the book is A, so long, right. B, so dense. But let's let's focus on the accepting person who allows Keme to be himself. Uh, Sagalon is super complex. Uh, what part of that character stuck with you the most as you read? Man, there's so I know. many I know it was a hard things. question. That's like, a great so And we only have five minutes before we have to move on. <laughs> so but. something about this character, out of everything about her, out that stands the out the 600 most. 600 pages. Shit. I, yeah. I, damn, that's tough. I mean, because she changes so much throughout the book. So much. from an. I'll, I'll fill the space for you so you can think for a sec. So, like, from an illiterate, termite hill living girl mm -hmm. who killed her mom, quote-unquote, killed her mom yeah. in childbirth. Terrible. Terrible. To this powerhouse of a woman who bows to no one, bends no knee, pledges no allegiance to anyone at the end. That's a lot. Of character development. Yeah. There. She's really like at least three different characters throughout the text. She's mm -hmm. the the girl with no name. Yep. She's the mother of lions and the the handmaiden of the princess. I believe the phrase is mother of dragons. Well, no, I'm not in this one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there are dragons in this book. There are dragons, there's which a we lot haven't even had book. a chance to get to. Oh, there's so there's too much in this book. That's yeah, one really... of the criticisms I have of it. We could okay. puzzle this book out and it would look like a you know, a CIA like investigation room with right? the red string yeah, between yeah, exactly. all the oh pictures for hours, honestly. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're we're not going to be able to do it justice no matter what we no, do. No, never, but we're scratching the Go surface. read the book, people. You yeah. know exactly what we're talking about. I think you already know our recommendations. We're just jiving. <laughs> and then the uh, final character is the don't give any fucks, like 200 year old, like super witch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, man, I don't know. Out of all three of those characters, maybe I can say which one I thought sure. was coolest. Works and I, I kind of like the one who lived in Fasisi, who I think where she discovered who she was. And that's when she, like, you know, she really developed that antagonistic relationship with the Aisi. Yeah. And the uh, Sangomin or Sangomin. 
and uh, and then had her relationship with uh, with Kevin, and it was um, like taken away from her. And then she got it back, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the same. But it was really complicated. They fucked a lot. She gave a birth lot. to humans and lion humans she and snuck lions. out every night to go to Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, she had some really complex, cool shit. Like the like super powerful badass at the end that didn't give a fuck it was kind of like to me almost cliche. Yeah, I really like the complex saga line in the middle. Yeah, Mike, I'm always. I mean, to me, I'm always, always, always fascinated by characters that are not good nor are they bad they're just real people and then studying the perspectives of the people around them because i think that's more like real life uh with sagalon throughout the book uh we see her just being her she's variously these different things that sean just eloquently described and uh what interested me is the way in which she'd come up against some people who would be like, this is a horrifying, dangerous witch. You know, at one point, Tracker rightfully points out that she's the only killer in the group. You know, when yeah. she's like saying something to criticize him and he, she, she, she's like, you're the only killer here. But then she's also like hero to hundreds or thousands of women who are like Moon Witch has you know, righted these wrongs and, and done these great things and avenged us and, and everything. Um, and then to circle back to her perspective, which is like, she's neither of those things. And she becomes increasingly aware that she's motivated by her own obsession for a desire. That's the word she uses desire for revenge. Um, you know, and I think that's so like life, you know, people are motivated by very human means, Mm -hmm. uh, or feelings. And then the world around them like thinks this or thinks that and tries to put a nice, easy narrative on it and like, say that person's a hero because blah, 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 or vice versa, you know? And that's what I think you see happening around this character. Those are the characters that fascinate me. Those are uh, the artists that I really admire that can do that so well. And I I think that that was another triumph of this book for Marlon James. Yeah. I think um, the part that probably resonated with me the most was the transition between the um, caravan to Mantha, the nunnery, mm. with the transition over to Keme and living in Fasisi and realizing that the AEC has eliminated memory for other people. And like that's the Sagalon who is both coming into her power, but also a little scared of her power. Right. But also not willing to uh, just be taken. You know, there's that interesting dynamic between Sugalon, uh, Keme, and what's Keme's first wife's name? Only wife's name. Um, uh, Yutundu? Is that, like that. right? Uh, sounds right. You know, there's the way that Marlon James balanced domestic polyamorous relationships, polymorphic human beings who can change into other animals... The whole backstory of Sagalon and her, like, wind's not wind, I'm in control, I'm not in control, I want to be a stick fighter who murders people at night and then come back and fuck my husband real good in bed, because, like, she owns her body now and enjoys that and wants to have what she enjoys and power over herself, that middle section, like, page 200 to page 350 I think was the most interesting for me because Agreed. all those things being juggled. Yeah. It, it was for me too, because I think that's where the most um, careful development was being done. Hmm. Uh, I think 
and, and this I, I this is not a criticism by the way because the book is long enough <laughs> yes but it, the the pacing went into overdrive at a certain point yeah it, it, it really lingered for a long long time uh in all this stuff that you were just talking about and you as well sean um and then all of a sudden it was like oh and and then her kid died and she was in a lot of pain and she wandered off and then like she hung out with monkeys and like right. lived in the ruins of a castle and you're that's a hundred years right yeah, yeah exactly and yeah, then yeah, and then yeah. even when the quest picks up like the quest is most of that first book as i recall uh and then it you know, it's maybe 150 pages at the mm-hmm. end of this book. Again, not a criticism. No. Um, but I, I think the reason maybe that section resonated the most with all of us, because I, I share that view, is because that was the one where the pacing was most drawn out and the mm-hmm. most development was being done. Yeah, that makes sense. Guys, we've blown through 38 minutes now. <laughs> it's time to get to that lightning round. Right. Jam your bells. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right. So if you've never listened to the podcast before, A, what the hell are you doing? B, there's 13 other episodes. Go back. C, Good points. the points mean nothing. This is just for pride. Really, that's all it is. And, and pride is everything. That's all we have here at Nerds of the Old Republic. It's true. Yeah. All right. So first question. First to ring in and correct answer gets the point. Which fantasy series is Moon Witch often compared to? Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm sorry. A Song of Ice and Fire. I would have accepted either. Every internet article said Game of Thrones because they're fucking noobs. Sorry, guys. So uh, Marlon James started a lot of that himself because he sort of tongue-in-cheek said in an interview, like, as he was describing it, um, you know, it's... I am the African... He said it's sort of... He said the plot is sort of the African Game of Thrones. Um, and then that got picked up because, of course, anything that they can associate with Game of Thrones, they will. Oh, yeah. And so Marlon James, is, he's laughed about that many times. And uh, anybody who reads this is, I guess, the you power the power of. struggles. I yeah. mean, if you really want to look into the themes, you could make those connections. But yeah. in terms of, like, the writing and the tone and, and many, many things, it's very, very different. It's, yeah. not, a, it's not a correct and, comparison. And don't worry, Nerd Nation. Eventually, we'll get to Game of Thrones. We will. We'll get there. We will. We don't want to be white noise. So. Uh, I mean, Martin, we know you're listening. And we know you're not working on your, another, yeah. your next book. You're just listening to us. And, yeah, we'll get you. Uh, maybe okay. this is what will motivate George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. We will do a podcast when you release the final book. We'll allow you on the podcast <laughs> That's when right. you release the final Ooh. book. We wanted to bump Bill for that one. Well, yeah, we've had Bill Murray sitting in the yeah. back for a yeah, while. So. Well, sorry, Bill, we're going to keep bumping. Yeah. Sit down, Bill. <laughs> All right. Question number two. <clears throat> I got to give Mike a sec because he's in the middle mid sipping room here. <laughs> How many Sangomen can you name or describe? Oh, fuck. Ah, no, no, this is Sean recovering from the last few episodes. The Dark Child, who was a spider okay. type thing. Sure. There's the one that shoots fire. Sure. There's the... I call him Human Torch. There's the one that's really big and, and they think is the leader or whatever, but is just kind of like the like uh, the Hulk or like the um, Thing from Fantastic Four. All right, I'll accept the that. The big one. The Thing, yeah, because he's, he's described as like tree-like or rock-like alternately. Right. There's the one that can phase in and out of reality and kind of yeah. moves around. There's the one that I think there's one that does like uh, like lightning, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'll give that. Yeah. 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 Um, give me a second. There's the one with something with its tongue and its mouth. 
Are you referring? No, I'm, I was going to make a sex joke, but I can't. <laughs> no, all this one didn't around. have a sex joke because there's okay. a lot of these single men throughout the book. There are a shit ton. So right. that's why, like, I feel when you peter out, Mike might be able to add. And I'm, a I'm, I'm trying not to confuse it with the fish woman or the 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 water sprite or yeah, whatever that thing that. was. Uh, that's an automatic loss. Uh, <laughs> Mike, can you add? That's all others? I got. I'm sorry. So when you that say five, when you say Sangerman, because all these words start to blend together for me at a certain point. What are what are what so is... those would be the mythical or magical creatures yeah. that work for the king. Okay. So they would be anybody who hunted Sogolon with magical powers. Did uh, did you mention the ceiling crawlers? Was that... Dark Child? Yeah, Dark- did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Um, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do the awkward thing where I go, uh, uh, and make the audience uh, listen to me doing it. So. Well, I just did. Damn it. <laughs> did you? Well, no. You, well, it's hard. You had five. Yeah. And, and there's really like two others. There's the bat one at the yeah. end, mm. and then there's the clay-faced one with the white hair that haunts her. Yeah. Oh, That is like yeah. similar to the AEC, right. but yeah. not quite. So. She describes like, or there's like nine of them or something yeah. originally when yeah. she gets to Fasisi, and I yeah. think she pretty much like kills them all right. on yeah. that trip to the nunnery. Which yeah. I picture as like a Kill Bill moment, yeah. to oh, be honest, yeah. except she doesn't know what's happening. Is it I that love song? that. <laughs> yeah, the alarm goes off. Zooms the, in on her eyes. The caravan starts on fire, <laughs> yeah. and then she like hops out, but then she wakes See, up in the crater. That's that scene real quick. I thought yeah. that was like another one of those fucking fever dreams. I'm like, she wakes up and she's looking at the burning uh, like princess, and she sees yeah. the baby in her. I'm like, oh yeah. god! I thought that was a this fever can't dream. be real. But she saved the linen, and then it's like, oh, the linen that she had all drugs. Wait a minute, that becomes the lingo later on in the story. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. There's like. This book is like it's it's Sagalan's story, and there's like a like at least ten other novels attached to her story that just come in and out of it, which yep. can be frustrating because yeah. you're like, wait, no, wait, wait, fuck, no, stay with that. <laughs> yeah, but he yeah, doesn't. Yeah. No, ah! to purposely irritate you, but it's also drawing back on my undergrad work over at uh, Geneseo. It's also very much literature of the Caribbean, where you will have a non-linear story structure that mm. alludes to other stories you're supposed to be uh, knowledgeable of and draw on. Kind of like the way we would throw around like cultural references to movies and TV shows. Okay. One is expected to know the oral tradition of Jamaica in order to follow these sorts of oral or, you know, of <laughs> mythical Africa in order to follow these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Suni Geneseo there for that one. <laughs> All right, last one. I'm sorry, you've already lost. I have already Do you lost. Want to but play I, this one out. I can. I can try to make the score respectable. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> you can try. I can try. I have the high ground. Oh man, this is like a <laughs> give up. Wait, we need like a whoa. <laughs> they literally just started standing, and Spurs appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Tuco, what are you doing here? Okay. You got to give. This is like prices right here. Give me the over under. On how no, many kids Sogolon, <laughs> quote, drops out. Four. Mike? Five. Answer is seven. Oh! Mike gets his point redeemed. Oh! Humanity! <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought it was too human and too uh, lion. But there's more when they're fucking that, she, that are like stillbirth. But those are the first wife's children. No, no, no! Doesn't she? 
right, let me triple check. No, this. no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Give the point to Mike. Uh, this right, might be the rum right, talking, right. Adam. You're this might host, be the rum talking. And you said all six, right. so six it is. <laughs> My answer is absolute. I am inevitable, also fallible. All right, Dennis. All right, there we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of snapping and ending things, uh, we've reached the end of our show tonight, gents. So, um, I appreciate your time tonight. I appreciate the rum. Oh my gosh, that was so good. That was delicious. Outstanding. Yeah. And uh, if you like what you heard tonight, I recommend picking up more of the Dark Star Trilogy. Pick up Black Leopard, Red Wolf, or Moon Witch Spider King if you haven't yet. Uh, I think you know where I'm going. I'm a yes, but you got to give yourself like a month and a half to get yes. to read this book well. Yeah. So, off, uh, you know, I'm obviously a yes. I, I worship Marlon uh, James and all of his books. A um, couple quick points to add. Uh, there's one more in the Dark coming Star still. that's coming out. Yeah. And uh, the rights to the series uh, were also purchased by uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, to be developed. <gasps> uh, and I don't know if they've said more he details. Just wants to be I don't know if he just has them or if there's actually something in production, a movie, a TV show. I don't know. Uh, but Michael B. Jordan uh, does have the rights to the series. And, and that seems right. That seems like, um, mm. you know, I feel comfortable <laughs> with that. I wonder yeah. how much full frontal nudity there will be. <laughs> if it's on HBO Max, all the full frontal nudity. <laughs> Indeed. So much lion cock. Oh, <laughs> it better be huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trick, of the, trick of the bush woman. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no. Bigger. <laughs> so Sean, you're uh yeah, I'm a yeah. Uh, you know I'm I'm gonna agree with you guys. Right. It's rare, but I'm going to and uh, yeah. say like you know challenge yourselves, challenge yourselves. Try to read mm-hmm. this and the other book in the series. I am a fan now. Thank you, Mike, for bringing this yeah, into my life. It's that. great. I really again, it was work, but I enjoyed it. It was good work. It was like I knew I was I was doing something worthwhile. It's the and work I, where you get calloused hands and you look down and right. you appreciate what you got. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a yes as well. And I, I appreciate Mike mentioning Marlon James and just really grateful for the like cornucopia of stuff mm. that he brought <laughs> to uh, my reading experience. If you find that you read this and you need a little bit of levity, I absolutely recommend watching Nick Cage's Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> on Netflix because oh, that's our next cast. And pour yourself a big old glass of what the fuck are we going to talk about here? Because we've already talked about what kind of podcast this is going to be, yeah. and it's going to be something. It's going to be oh, a little different than this something one. Something's going to be word. a thing. Yes, something uh, is the thing. word. I recommend watching it at 1.25 speed on Netflix. You can just click that little speed dial and up it, because <laughs> that's the only way I made it through. Oh, um, but that's... It for us tonight. We appreciate your time and we thank you. We would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We have a love-hate relationship with Spotify, but you know, that is what it is. So wherever you catch us, please rate and review. Find us on the socials at Nerds of Old Republic. Tell your friends and stay nerdy, y'all. Have a good night. And fuck the gods. Fuck the gods. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.